no more room in hell. The dead will walk here. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Thanks for tuning in to Body Count, the podcast for theblackesteyes.com. My name is Philip, and on the line with me tonight is Danny and Scott. And this is a place where we try to have intelligent conversation about horror movies. And I want to do something tonight that we haven't done in a while, and that is to give a very brief bio on my co-hosts here, uh, just so you can know a little bit more about them and uh, where we're coming from and where we live and those kinds of things. Uh, So let's start with Danny. Danny is an associate professor at Southeast Kentucky Community and Technical College, and there he specializes in composition and film, and I think occasionally even offers a horror movie class. So that's pretty cool. Just real quick, Danny, what are those classes like? How, how many register for horror movie classes? Because that's so cool. Well, usually horror movies are a pretty popular course, as you might expect, because it is you know a little bit different. So, But I usually have about 20 to 25 in there. Yeah. And maybe two or three get ran off after the subject matter gets talked about the first couple of days. It's yeah. sometimes, you know, it's, you know, it's some difficult stuff gets talked about in horror movies and some students aren't quite ready for that kind of stuff. Uh, but we usually finish with about 20 students and it's always a really, really rewarding class. I think it would be interesting to see what kind of presupposition students are bringing in about horror, right? Cause I, I would have to think some are coming in, maybe not if they're, if they're registering for a class, but are some coming in thinking that it's kind of, you know, scream kind of just all fun. And they've seen some of those kinds of films that are, uh, a, a little bit more easygoing, a little bit more fun, and then you're going to throw something at them like Rosemary's Baby or something, and just blow them away. Is that does that happen, or yeah, what's it like? That 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 exactly is what happens. There's usually like ten of those students, and like I said, a couple of them can't take what we're going to talk about. I usually open the semester talking about uh, transgressive cinema, uh, you know, things that really challenge the the culture, and um, that can be a problem for some students yeah. but but it but it engages all the other students and it and it, i usually want to start with something kind of shocking that that you know gets them fired up for the class yeah that's so cool scott here is an assistant professor of theology at concordia university irvine in california and scott has previously served as pastor for lutheran churches near pittsburgh and chicago scott you and i met through our respective blogs back in the early 2000s. Do you remember? Oh, I and do. I, Absolutely. I think, yeah. I think at the time, your blog was called The Burr and the Berg. Right. And mine was called The Beast's Lair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you live near Pittsburgh. I always thought that was such a cool name for a blog. We, we, it was back in the day when you were trying to do self-promotion with all of these different tools and websites. And you and I were both using some kind of, uh, promotional tool that if you visited someone else's blog, then it was going to increase the number of visits to your blog. Do you remember? I don't even remember what it was called. I I don't either, but yes, I remember that that is how I found your blog and you, or you found mine or something like that. Yeah. Vice versa. And, uh, because I was like, no, this is, I'm just going to do this just to get the clicks. And then I was like, wow, I actually like what this guy's writing, you know? And so we touched base somehow like that. So yeah. those were the days. Yeah, the blog. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a professor of theology at Concordia. What kind of classes are you specializing in? Well, my main area um, where I've done my 
advanced study is in the field of ethics or uh, medical ethics or bioethics. So I teach our nursing students that, but I also teach a number of different theology classes for uh, some of our students are preparing. Uh, we're a Lutheran church related college, but not all of our, uh, certainly not all of our students are Lutherans and uh, not all of our students are Christians even. And so, um, so I teach some students who are preparing to go into church work, like um, uh, being a pastor, for instance. But some of the other students are just taking it, uh, the intro to theology or New Testament or something, because that's uh, is something that all freshmen have to take or something. So it's a wide variety of students, very diverse and very interesting. Yeah. Danny, if we talk about the way you and I met, uh, that was a long time ago when you started dating my cousin. And so I'm glad that relationship seemed to work out pretty well. It has we worked are. out pretty well. What um, year was that? When did you all start dating? I would have been 87. Yeah, I was 11. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and our meeting revolved around horror because horror we almost did. immediately started watching and making little guerrilla horror movies. Uh, you were so enthusiastic about it as a young person, and that yeah. sort of that also has carried on. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, hard to believe it's so long ago, and when we get to it in just a moment, I. There's one scene in the film we're going to review today that for some reason reminded me of a couple of the films that you and I did in Whitesburg. You're probably thinking, what? No way. But there's one scene in particular that when I saw it, I was like, oh my goodness, that kind of looks like what we did back in 1989 or whatever with our VCR or VHS uh, recorder or whatever we had. VHS, what were they called? Video... uh, Camcorders, right? Yeah, camcorders. I think Mini DV was the what the format we finished on. That was the last, uh, yep. the last yep. generation of the technology. That's right. That's right. But when we started, man, it was the big thing on the shoulder. You know, <laughs> had built-in titlers. We thought we were so cool because, or I did anyway. I had the built-in titler in my camcorder. You know, it was just amazing. Well, uh, tonight we're going to review a 2019 horror film called The Lodge. And this is directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala, who also directed Goodnight Mommy. And Goodnight Mommy is a film we have previously discussed on Body Count. We did talk about that, right? It wasn't a written review. I no, think we, we did. Po- we did. We'd, yeah. And uh, what we typically do here on Body Count is offer a brief synopsis of the film, followed by our insights into what we think the picture has to offer. So I don't know whose turn it is, but. Scott, if I'm not mistaken, you literally just finished watching it. So would you be willing to give us a, a quick summary of the film real quick? Sure. No problem. Yeah. So like you said, it's a, uh, it's a recent picture, 2019. And um, it's about, okay, so there's, I always wonder, spoiler alert, all right? I always wonder how much, how spoilery I'm going to be right at the beginning of the podcast. But uh, there's a couple who are getting a divorce and um, I think it's Richard and Laura. Laura played by Alicia Silverstone. And I hadn't seen her in you know decades. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so they're getting a divorce because he is wanting to marry a younger woman, a different woman. And so Laura kills herself. And, but she has two kids. They have two kids together, Richard and Laura did. Aiden and Mia. Who I you know I didn't catch the ages, but what would you say about twelve and eight or twelve you know something like that twelve and ten, be my guess. And yeah, uh, so so Richard, who is the uh, who's the dad, 
um, now has custody of his kids, and he wants them to meet his his uh, soon-to-be new wife, and he's hoping they can have some kind of relationship. So he plans for them all to go and spend a weekend, primarily uh, the the woman, Grace, and the kids, because he's going to come back home for a couple days, and then he's going to go back and pick them up. So that's the lodge from the title. They go up to the lodge to do this. What we learn about Grace is that she was raised in some kind of a suicide cult, but she survived it. And he apparently wrote a book about cults, and that's how he met her. The kids, of course, are very resentful because they see that this woman interfered in the marriage of their parents and probably was responsible in some sense for their mother's suicide. So while they're in the lodge, all sorts of strange things start to happen. You wonder if you're going crazy or are supernatural things going on, and it has a very tragic end. Is that good? Okay. Yeah, that's great. Great job. I was wondering about the ages of the children as well. I don't think it ever says in the film. On the Wikipedia page, it mentions that... um, uh, What's his name in the film? Aiden is a teenager. So if he is, he's got to be a young one, 13 12, 13, I think you said 12, so yeah, somewhere right around in there. Okay, let's begin with just our general feelings about The Lodge. Uh, We were joking earlier, seems like this is another super-duper lighthearted movie that we're just (laughs) going to laugh about, right? No, what have we gotten ourselves into here? Uh, Danny, how did you walk away feeling about The Lodge? Uh, I have mixed feelings, I believe. Um, I I thought technically... It was it was pretty pretty well done. Uh, the, the camera work, the cinematography, the acting seems like that's a, almost a broken record at this point. We've horror has seen some really good performances over the last few years, mm. and this is another one where almost every single role. Uh, I think maybe the father is only one that doesn't. You know, it's just kind of an average performance, but everyone else just seems to really nail the performance. The kids, and especially um, uh, what is it, Riley. Kyo, uh, I, 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 I found a YouTube thing where she was, someone pronounced her name, so Kyo. I, I actually meant to do that myself. Uh, she's very good. She was very good in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I already liked her going into this, but as Grace, she does a great job. And I thought the atmosphere was good. In the end, it it felt kind of, I don't know, uneventful and kind of empty I don't know. and I, I could be talked out of that because it really it did I was emotionally invested for most of the film and it just at some point when especially when the big reveal happens and uh, again spoilers and you sort of you're kind of led to believe especially even by the trailer that something with the cult is going to come back up uh, the trailer made a big deal about the uh, the snow angels outside, which really made made it look like there was a bunch of people attacking this house, or and uh, and, and none of that ends up being true. The 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 people doing the bad thing turned out to be a surprise, and after that point, I I could not get back into the film the way I wanted to. Okay, yeah, that's fair, Scott. What about you? What do you think? I liked it. Um, I didn't love it. I liked it for the same reasons Danny mentioned that. I mean, I think it's very artfully made. We liked these directors because we liked, I think we both, we all liked Hello Mommy, which we'd, we'd seen. 
And uh, so I think it's artfully made. The sound is really creepy. It's moody. It's dark. I think it, um, of course, the performances are, are really good. The child actors are really above par. Uh, the boy, right? I mean, he was also an it, which we just reviewed. Yeah. Anyway, so I was thinking of him. And um, yeah, Riley Keough, I think, I think that's right, is the sort of center. She kind of is the main emphasis of the film. She does great. She does a great job. So I liked it. I just thought after a certain point, I, it was pretty predictable. I, I, I kind of figured out, you know, what my theory as to what was going on ended up being right. And, you know, I kind of like it when it, it makes you think something and then surprises you at the end as you were, you know, you were being misled and boom, this is what's really going on. But I actually, you know, I thought it was a little bit predictable. So I found it a little bit disappointing in that way. Okay, uh, I enjoyed the film. Maybe liked it a little bit more uh, than you two guys did. Uh, the ending scene, the finale, uh, was disappointing. We can talk more about what that looked like and why I think uh, it did not end as strong as it could. Uh, but the film had me the, from beginning to end. Uh, it was uncomfortable. Uh, I was, it was one of those sweaty palms kind of films for me. And I think that Riley... So tell me how to pronounce her name one more time. Kyo, right? I, I think it's Kyo. Kyo. Okay. Yeah. Kyo. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, she was really intriguing to me, uh, her performance, because it was very well done, um, very heartfelt, and you, you were really with her. But at the beginning, in, uh, in the middle of the film, as they arrive at the lodge, uh, I got this sense that I didn't really know what her intentions were what her motives were what kind of a character she was going to be if she was going to be innocent or if she was going to be the antagonist if she had some kind of uh, evil plot going on here with these children that made me a little bit nervous it seems like her expressions were um, muted a lot uh, at the beginning there as they're just arriving uh, she was gentle but yet seemed like maybe there was something behind that gentleness. And so I thought that was a, a creep factor. And I caught on to what the children were doing pretty quickly as well. Uh, so I agree with you there, Scott. I think it was predictable in that way. But I loved um, some of the underlying reasons for what was happening. And that helped me get over that a little bit. So I think that I probably liked the film a little bit better than you guys, but it sounds like all of us enjoyed it. Um, you know, a, a movie worth watching. But let's dissect it a little bit more and see what we can see what we can come up with here. Let's discuss a bit more some of the scenes or even specific moments in a scene that really worked for you, um, and maybe while you're thinking about that, something that clicked, something you thought added to the movie, added to the plot, uh, helped us understand more about what. Uh, the ideas were of the film or what the characters were going through. But the two that immediately come to mind for me are at the opening of the movie when Laura commits suicide. And one of the things that you see Laura doing is she is meticulously straightening magazines on a coffee table uh, just moments before she takes her own life. And I found that detail to be realist realistic and troublesome um, and the matter-of-fact way in, in which she kills herself 
impacted me and kind of set up the rest of the film for me. Although as she's arranging those magazines, I'm thinking something not good is getting ready to happen. Then she sits down and just very nonchalantly kills herself. And then there's a scene right after that I'll talk about in just a second. But let's chat about the suicide scene first. Danny, what do you, uh, did you think that that was an effective scene? What, how did that work for you? I thought it was a very effective scene and, and actually, for me, set up an anticipation about how good the movie was going to be hmm. that the film just doesn't deliver on. That is phenomenal. It, it takes that little trick that Wes Craven did with Drew Barrymore in Scream mm-hmm. and cast a famous person in a role and then snuffs her out immediately. Now, you, you are not expecting that the movie is not going to feature her, if, especially if, like me, you came in really cold. I did not read anything about the film. Um, and, and, and then everything after that, I felt like, didn't quite live up to the just that is a meticulously crafted early uh, family breakup the just the tension of uh, anytime they're near each other the the kids talking about the girlfriend all of it is so good and and I think I think it's I don't think it's downhill from there that's a little too harsh but I don't think it ever reaches those heights again yeah and a scene that occurs immediately after the suicide is when the little girl is uh, devastated and she's in her room and she's crying and she's sobbing and she can't stop crying. And uh, the father, Richard, is trying to console her and he's sitting next to her. But the little girl, Scott, keeps saying she won't go to heaven. She won't go to heaven. She won't. She just keeps saying it over and over and over again. And uh, what we're getting into now here is Catholic theology. So already this movie has captured me in a significant way, both because of the impact of the scene that I just saw, and now it it so truthfully uh, transitions to how the way we think about faith, the way we think of God, God, impacts the way that we process events in our life, especially traumatic events. Uh, The thing that she is most worried about is not first and foremost, my mom is gone, as horrible as that is, it's she's not in heaven. And of course, um, suicide uh, is considered for some to be an unpardonable sin. And then we get to see that fleshed out later in the film with the concepts of purgatory, which we'll talk about. Uh, Your take, Scott, on that scene, if that impacted you at all. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Suicide is a kind of a major thing thread in this whole whole movie um throughout until even the very end and um yeah i was thinking the same thing i mean traditional catholic theology would say that if you know that self-murder suicide is yeah it's unpardonable you don't have an opportunity to you know to confess or receive grace and, and um so i've thought about about this a lot and <clears throat> i've written blog posts recently about suicide and yeah um you know the tradition i come from lutheranism martin luther actually in the 16th century already was starting to say you know i don't i don't buy that i don't think that i think christians might sometimes commit suicide because they're overwhelmed with sorrow and it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that they have no faith or that they are outside the family of god altogether 
So, I, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that. And then there's some Catholic iconography a little bit in the picture. Oh, yeah. Right? You mean in the dinner table in the lodge, that painting of, uh, I, th- I assume it's Mary because she's got a halo. There's a woman. It's dark. It's a dark, you know, dark in terms of not very well lit painting. But um, so, yeah, it implies to me that that the children at least were being raised Catholic, perhaps, and then, but the dad in that very scene you mentioned, Philip, the the dad, as the girl saying, "Mommy can't go to heaven." Mommy's she can't go to heaven. The dad says something like, "We don't know where people go. We don't know what happens when you die." Right. So he kind of seems like he's maybe sort of an agnostic, um, and but which is interesting. I mean, it comes come. We'll come back to this, I'm sure. Yeah, it, but his comment also provides a little bit of context for what could potentially be the mystery of what's going on later in the film, right? We don't know mm-hmm. what happens when we die. We True. don't know right. where, where we go. And uh, unless you're predicting the movie correctly, as I think maybe all three of us did. We didn't ask you, Danny. Did you figure out what was going on before the payoff? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, pretty, it's, it's pretty much telegraphed, uh, though I did think the, uh, the one fake suicide uh, 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 was a good distraction from it, though I, I don't know if I believed it. B- believed that suicide? the kid had really killed himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I had a fleeting moment. We'll get to that scene, but I was kind of wondering how did he even pull that off? Like he pulled a Scooby Doo Fred kind of you know ghost trap. I, how does he have the uh, expertise to not kill himself as he's trying to hang himself. It was a, it was a rather good effect, uh, whatever he did. We never really get an explanation as to how that happened, you know. Uh, so the beginning of the movie for me uh, just really, really captured me, uh, both in terms of the faith elements, the theology that was being offered, and then um, uh, just the visuals itself, uh, how, how incredible that was. So then let's transition in uh, a bit here to uh, some practical things, and that is they're getting ready to meet Grace, and Grace is going to come to the house, and they're going to eat together, and the dad tells the children about Grace coming literally like three seconds before she shows up. So I'm just wondering, what kind of dad is this, man? I mean, who... Who, the, who throws something at them like this moments before uh, the party is going to show up and just kind of ruin everything? I don't know. I just one of those little nitpicking. Did either of you pick up on that at all? I was like, come on, man. You got to gotta tell them a day before this happens, you know, not six seconds before. You know what I'm saying? I th- really think the father's kind of a, a weak character. Uh, most of this film can be blamed on him. Hmm. Well, as a matter of fact, they do blame him, yeah. don't they? At uh, one point, who is it? Uh, is it the daughter or the son who says it's your fault? And, right, and uh, I mean, who who uh, leaves her kids in the middle of nowhere with right. a woman who he knows is on, who's had the background she has, and is on antipsychotic medication? Well, okay, so, yeah, I had that in my notes here to get to later, so let's just go ahead and bring that up. That was, for me, the biggest flaw of the film. Uh, if, if there was anything about the movie, except the ending, I'll talk about that later, but anything about the movie that troubled me the most, it was the dad has to get out of there in order for the movie to work, 
But who's going to do that? Who, who's going to leave this girl who has been traumatized because of a Christian cult left in a remote lodge with Christian iconography, how do you say the word? Iconography, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> Who's going to do that, right? I mean, isn't that a major problem for the movie? Scott, what do you think? Well, she when she was taking, okay, so <clears throat> there's a whole bunch of thoughts that are crowding into my head right now. Um, I don't know, if, did we say this yet, that, that she was part, this cult that she was part of? Yeah, I think I mentioned it, that, that they all killed themselves as some sort of atonement, but she survived and she grows up, but the dad apparently wrote a book about it yeah. and he, he mentions her in the book and this is probably how they met. And the son, Aiden, when, you know, dad says, we're going to all get together and have this, you know, gathering at Christmas time up in the, in, in the mountains. And the son says, well, you know, isn't she, a, he uses the word psychopath. And, um, I, I don't know if that was intentionally used because a psychopath is different from a psychotic. They're not the same. And so I don't know because I'm thinking she's going to be a psychopath. And then she ends up being psychotic, which is a different kind of thing. Well, when she's taking the antipsychotic meds in the movie, when when Richard, the dad, comes in, she hides him behind her back. So I don't know if he even knew she was on the meds. Hmm. Did you notice that, that she hid, them, oh, she I, hid the pills? I, you're correct. I had not put that together, though. No, I don't think I realized. So you're suggesting that Richard didn't even know she was taking medication? Yeah, she was hiding it from him because, you know, when he came in, she hid it behind herself. And then when he was going to hug her, she stood up and she tucked the pills in her waistband in, in the back and hugged him or something. So, I mean, she was clearly taking pills, uh, you know, but hiding it from him. Hmm. So I, but that, she yeah. was pretty forthcoming with the children about her medicine, wasn't well, she? Well, when, when they disappeared, yeah. Yeah, she's like, where are my pills? I need, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, maybe this might not be the right time, but before we leave this moment, I will forget it. Um, the cult she was in is very clearly modeled on the Heaven's Gate cult. Um, the um, the ones that committed suicide with the coming of the Hellbop Comet. And uh, I don't know if that... I don't know very much about, I remember it happening. I don't know very much about that, but there, are, there may be elements mm -hmm. of, of that cult that play into uh, her behavior and, 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 and the themes of the movie. Okay. Yeah. Whenever I hear cults and people dying because of suicide, you know, I, I just always think of Jim Jones and uh, that experience. So what, what's the difference between, like a Jonestown massacre and what you were just describing. Uh, Danny, was uh, well, there, there... The, the, uh, the heaven's gate cult, um, they, if you, if you think of the images in the movie in, in, in actuality, they found all the cult members, uh, they had poisoned themselves and they were laying in track suits with their tennis shoes to the, I think they're all wearing Nikes. It was the, the imagery of the actual, Heaven's Gate case is very clearly referenced in the movie. Um, the Heaven's Gate cult was led by a uh, by a uh, charismatic figure, just like Jonestown. Mm -hmm. um, he, he had taken, but he he had mixed elements of Christianity and Scientology and science fiction. It was a little more of a 
of a bizarre cult rather than you know some perversion of Christianity, which then the film is almost exclusively about Catholicism. So, so I don't know. I think it was interesting that they chose to visually reference uh, a very weird sort of sci-fi futuristic cult phenomenon that had happened, but that doesn't seem to play into the events of the movie. I may be wrong, though, because I don't know that case incredibly well. Well, did they reference that? Did they reference Heaven's Gate? In the, the visuals explicitly. are the visuals are absolutely direct. If you look at the, unfortunately, there are photos of the of the victims of that uh, mass suicide, and you, visually, it's it's almost identical. Because they're all well, it's really interesting. Cots. Yeah. Okay, so so visually, but one of the points that I wanted us to talk about about the cult itself, uh, what I had written down was actually. Uh, antithetical, I, opposite of what you just said, which is, I mean, tell me if you guys, Scott, did you pick up on anything that was actually said or quote unquote preached by her father that was radical or uh, whacked out apart from the, apparently there was a, a period where he said, you know, it's time to step over into the next whatever, you know, the next life or obviously leading someone to their death. But in terms of the language that was used uh, in the recordings that we heard, it was very basic Christian stuff. Uh, sin, yeah. Yeah. needing to repent of sin, and needing to follow Jesus. That was really it. And I, I don't think necessarily the film is trying to say something uh, potentially of Christianity in and of itself is deadly, in and of itself is a cult, but maybe— because there's, there's apart from the horrific um, knowledge of what happened to these people, I don't see anything here that is outside of what every preacher in pulpits all over the country are ultimately saying. Yeah, that was that was actually my my point. You you had this sort of bizarre comet following cult that committed mass suicide and here it's being linked to some really basic christian principles so uh, and i usually use the theology for you guys but it seemed to me as i was watching i was like are you guys are, are my part, podcast partners going to notice that this seems to thematically just say that christianity is a cult like any other cult that mm. that, that that it's going to be that it seems to just lump Christianity in with any other bizarre belief system. Well, that was certainly my take. Scott, what do you think? I didn't get that. I didn't feel like this was taking a knock at Christianity. Uh, maybe it was. I, I can't say. It, but it didn't occur to me as I watched the movie. Because at the, be at the beginning of the film, when the, the kids, Aiden and Mia, are looking online and kind of researching Grace, this new woman in their lives... Um, Aiden, Aiden says she was part of a cult. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just uses the word, it was a cult. And then it talks about the, the suicide and everything. But then, you know, I mean, when, when mom died, they had a, you know, what was, I think, supposed to be a Christian funeral. So I didn't get the, and they pray later at dinner, right? I mean, uh, Mia does. With, but but isn't the, that the point? I think what, what I'm suggesting is one is clearly a cult. The other is clearly Orthodox Christianity, but the film, in my opinion, in terms of the content, doesn't demonstrate mm. much difference between the two. 
apart yeah. from the the first people, you know, ultimately taking their own lives because of following this leader uh, who led them astray. But in terms of the content, mm-hmm. so when they were watching the video, you know, that he was watching on the computer mm-hmm. and you heard him preaching the sermon, it was pretty innocuous stuff. Was it, didn't you find that to be true or not yeah, so much? Yeah, I mean, he, like you said, he, he was talking about repenting of your sin and, um, you know, following Jesus. But he did say things like, we're going to, you know, we're going to, I mean, he, he was saying things that in a different context I would see as, as you know, simple Christianity. Because he was saying, you know, the Lord, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to see him. We're going to be mm-hmm. with him. And, you know, in a different context, I, I would say the very same thing, maybe. That's right. But I think, I, I, you know, I think he would, what, he, what in that context he meant was, we're all going to kill ourselves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So there's where it's different, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's the Hopefully we're not leading uh, folks down that way. But here's the ultimate point. The film could have easily over-exaggerated the teachings of the cult in order to make them seem to be complete just an absurd group of people with crazy teachings, sure. but they, they opt not to do that. Yeah, so sure. for whatever reason, I think that's And then to, to play them. devil's advocate, even though I'm the one that brought this up, uh, the, the child, the, the daughter especially seems to be faithful, right? Mm-hmm. She seems to have oh, taken absolutely. the teachings and, and taken them to heart. And, uh, she's the, you know, she ends up, being one of the you know the good people in the movie i I don't know about the son the son i'm not sure uh you know the son that's directing all of this behavior i don't know how i end up thinking about him but uh but the the youngest kid who is you know you know closer to that sort of purity uh it legitimately is showing christian principles and seems Mm -hmm. to believe in them so uh so I'm not 100% sure where, uh, how this film views religion, what the film's worldview is. I really, I really am not. It yeah, didn't, it, it didn't, you know, bash me in the head. I, I, cause I'm pretty sensitive to, you know, as a, as a Christian pastor and uh, person, I, I'm pretty sensitive when I watch TV or movies and they're real overt about, uh, taking cheap shots at, at Christianity, I, but it, it just, I, I didn't, I didn't get that mood from this personally. No, I don't think there were any cheap shots and I don't think it was uh, overt in any way. Mm. I just, the only point that I want to mention again, I, I think we've now beat this horse <laughs> is that the, the, the teachings of the cult mm. weren't all that different than what we would hear anywhere else. Sure. And so I, I think that was probably an intentional move. And of course, the sincerity of one's faith doesn't mean that that faith isn't potentially dangerous. Just because you're sincere about something means nothing. Uh, I think she was very sincere uh, about her faith as well, but that doesn't necessarily negate the underlying principle. That well, and, and the, other, the other one tidbit that we get about the cult's teaching is when they were talking about, when Grace was talking to Mia, the little girl, and saying, what do you want for Christmas? And the girl was saying, I'd like a dog. And, and Grace was saying, I wanted a dog too when I was a kid, but my dad w- didn't give us Christmas gifts. Why not? Because he took everything in the Bible super literally and yeah. Christmas gifts are not in the Bible. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. I mean. <laughs> well, first of all, that's not even right. N- no, you're right. <laughs> 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 we've, got, we've got the Magi who bring gifts. But, that's right. <laughs> 
but um but uh yeah i mean that's a kind to me that just seemed wow all right that's a wacky teaching yeah, that they have absolutely yeah. that's true yeah that's true and what's this specifically i'll you know, remind you of like jehovah's witness or some other true yeah right yeah sure yeah yeah so we leave that with you to draw your own conclusions <laughs> now what about this guys in two movies uh in a row we have tributes to the thing <laughs> unbelievable so not only do we have uh the connection of uh jaden martell uh from it but also the thing and this was of course they're just watching the movie but it's the same scene so it's like any movie that's going to reference and tribute the thing they're going to have to show that scene right because it's mm-hmm. it's just so classic so i uh, just thought that was kind of funny yeah um, how are they staying warm with no generator or no nothing? Was the implication there just the fire was able to warm the whole lodge? Do y'all think about that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, right. Um, that, I mean, I, they're wearing sweaters. They're, you know. Um, well, yeah, we have, we ha- I mean, it's we, freezing. Yeah, I know. We haven't mentioned, though, that, that you know, the mystery, okay, that that Grace kind of wakes up and everything's all the, all her belongings are gone. The kids belongings are gone. The fridge is empty. The the pipes are frozen. The the generator doesn't work. There's no electricity so they can't call out. There's a big storm so nobody can come in. Um that's the that's the big mystery. Um how did they keep warm? I mean they did show a couple of scenes where they were sitting by the fire so yeah. I guess I just There was a there was a big fire. There yeah. was. But that was a huge place though. <laughs> right. You know. Especially when she, sometimes they're going outside and coming back, and I'm just like, golly, this, aren't they freezing, you know, in there? But I mean, not a huge deal. It's just something that I, um, that I jotted down there. To be yeah, fair, so, to be fair, it ahead. took me, it took me out a little bit. It, it, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I, I may have even, it may hit me harder than hit you. Uh, we've been in cabins in the cold. It's. <laughs> That, there's no way that place was I was like why aren't they hanging up curtains in the room with the fireplace or hanging up the covers so they can block off one room and just heat that room with the fire like yeah it did not feel very much like it was really happening it felt like a set piece at that point yeah and you know let's even talk about the lodge uh, obviously the movie is called the lodge um, how integral is the house to the film you know with um Good night, mommy. Uh, the the move the house was very important, and um, and by the way, what's to do with dollhouses? And we've we've seen dollhouses in weird ways, haven't we? Uh, yeah, I think too. this one was a really attractive dollhouse, and they did great visuals with it. But it ended up being, I don't know, kind of empty symbolically. Uh, I, I kept waiting for it to be more thematically integrated into the the thing, but. Uh, it never, it it never seemed to be to me. It was really a creepy and cool dollhouse, though. Well, at the very beginning, it even fooled me when they were panning through the dollhouse, and then she, Laura, peeks into the dollhouse. I was like, whoa! I didn't. Yeah. I love I'm that watching. it had an aquarium with like two little sea monkeys in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and how did you interpret Danny at the end before Richard goes uh, to the lodge where he meets his? Uh, untimely death he looks into the dollhouse and with you know inquisitively as if he's 
either looking for something or something impacts him, and then he stands up and leaves. Did you take anything from that, or was he just pondering his children at that point? What was going on there? I, I, I think something about the scene that was set up in there scared him or, or bothered him, but uh, I don't know. Do we do we see it as he sees it? I, yeah. So I didn't the, write anything the, down about that scene. The yeah. children were the ones who kept moving the pieces, presumably, right? Uh, and arranging them based on what's going on in their lives. I don't know. Scott, what did you think about the dollhouse? Well, the first thing I thought of was the movie Hereditary, right? Because we just watched that not long ago. And it begins the same way. It begins with the camera going through a dollhouse or the miniatures. And this one begins the same way. I mean, I thought that, I don't, you know, I thought that was interesting. But I actually wrote down, you know, what's the deal with the doll? Because um, Mia, the little girl, has been carrying around this doll that from the way the hair was cut and the way she was treating it, I thought represented her mother. Well, they, they, they mentioned at one point, I think the brother says, how did you find that outfit? Just like mom's or something. Oh, like that. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and she put a little red cap on her just like, you know, cause that mom's hat was that uh, red knit hat. So uh, there was some significance to, and when you remember when at the funeral, um, I've seen funerals. I haven't done this, but I've seen funerals where they release helium balloons into the mm-hmm. sky, but not with black balloons. To me, that was strange. And and the little girl tied the doll to the balloon to maybe represent mommy going up to heaven, but the, it fell because it's yeah. too heavy, and and she she broke down crying at that moment. Yeah, which was a, a great callback to the mm-hmm. suicide thing. I thought that's right. That's uh, right. The visuals of that scene are wonderful. That is another another scene that feels like it came from a better movie. There's just, there's a couple of times in this movie. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And then again, the rest of it just did not seem to live up to it. Uh, so back to the lodge, uh, how important is the lodge in terms of its impact to the, the film the visually, um, with good night, mommy. Uh, we talked a good bit, Danny, I remember you specifically saying when we, uh, talked about that film that it seemed like it just was hard to keep track of where you were. It went on forever, uh, bigger than it seemed to be. Um, what about this place? Was this more claustrophobic? Were we supposed to have a contrast with the inside of being dark and the outside being freezing and all the snow and the light? Uh, what was your takeaway from the lodge? I, I actually, that, that is in my notes that it did remind me of a little bit of, of their first film in that the, the space is important. Uh, in this case, it's it's supposed to be a place for the family to be having a fun vacation, but it's so cold and empty and so few elements of personalization or or hominess. It, it feels so sterile and, and antiseptic. Uh, it's, it seems like a miserable place. To, even if the father had stayed, it does not seem like a place you're going to be having much fun. I, th- I thought it was, you know, a, a character in the movie uh, in much the same way the house from good by mommy was. Yeah. Any follow up to that, Scott? Not really. Uh, I mean, I, I was thinking about it occasionally throughout the movie saying, why is it called the lodge? I would have named it something else. Maybe me too. Yeah. Um, because yes. I didn't get the impression that, yeah, I, I mean, I did see, I know what you're talking about, that it was cold and dark and it seemed depressing. It seemed like a totally depressing place. Um, the weather didn't, you know, also added to that, but, I, I didn't get the impression that the house 
was a character that the house was important. It could have been any house, and to me, as long as it was secluded, I think that's what was important. Yeah, so I would have called and, it and isolation even, or something. Even I, yeah, even I would say that you know, at most, it was adding some you know visual, visual panache. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right that I think if you'd moved this to a more homey house, it would have been pretty much the same film. Mm-hmm. I mean, a couple of times they move the camera in such a way that they're trying to create, at least it seemed to me, trying to create some elements of a haunted house film. There were moving around the corner, zooming into dark corners, holding shots that really didn't need to be held on the house, down, down hallways, trying to give the impression that maybe there's something even in the lodge itself that's spooky, but there, but there isn't. Yeah, and, just, and I have that in my notes also. Did you think that there were so many of those without a payoff? That yes. it made it seem like nothing happened in the movie. Like they set up, there's so many sort of editing beats that you want to be followed by something that are just, it cuts to the next scene. Like there's, there's not fake jump scares. There's not actual jump scares. There's not, it, it, there's not a revelation of anything. It's just, there's all these sort of like these really clear setups and no payoff. And it's almost like one right after another. I think the film might have been better with a more, you know, standard editing, you know, scene to scene than it was with this, you know, what appears to be a more clever indie film kind of editing style. I read one person's take on this, and this did not come from me. I saw it online. But apparently, there's some belief out there that trying to one of the themes that was trying to be included into the film was the idea that Laura is now in some way haunting uh, the lodge and putting a curse essentially on Grace uh, in order to destroy the family and make sure they never have a life together. But I personally never saw that or picked up on that. Either of you, any comment on that idea? No, I think it would, again, some of those... uh ghost-like setups would have had to pay off at some point uh, when we find out that it, you know everything we thought might be supernatural was just the kids you know that that pretty much eliminates any chance that that's what was going on yeah yeah i felt the same way i i, I mean at no point in the movie did i think there was something supernatural going on i kept thinking they're gaslighting her i mean they're they're just trying to make her think she's crazy because they think she's a you know psychotic or psychopath or whatever they're just trying to tip her over the edge so that what so that she kills herself like you know everyone in the cult that she grew up in the kids do kind of you know break out of that and say hey we've gone too far we gotta stop this but by then it's too late that's when the death of the dog makes death real to them right i guess so Uh, but not until then uh, Mm. do they want to pull back on it um and I think there was never a chance that there was anything supernatural. It never set up anything supernatural in a way that you thought it was either the kids are gaslighting her or she's off her meds and sleepwalking and doing weird things at night. There wasn't really even a third option. Yeah, the death of the dog uh, was instrumental uh, for sure. I, you know, I think the motive for them, of course, was um, anger. Uh, at their mom's suicide and hatred of grace at the time and no real sense of humanity or concern what happens to her which of course their children 
so this could make sense, but not real smart when she's the only one there to take care of you in an, in an abandoned lodge in the middle of a freezing nowhere in Massachusetts. You know? and, and if they had this plan from the beginning, then they got real lucky with the snowstorm that blocked the roads off. Uh, in, indeed, yes. How did, they, and, how did they create the obituary, right? I mean, that's what I that's what struck me as hard because they, they show Grace this what is some kind of a published paper or something. It looks it has their pictures and says they died on this certain day at this at this lodge in this lake to try to well, convince her that they're dead. That's what they're trying to convince her that they're already dead. They have really good graphic art skills. I guess Aiden is basically an architectural electrical engineer. Uh, in this film, <laughs> he, he can do anything uh, in order to create the illusion of something happening, whether his own death or, or obituaries or zapping cell phones or generators or basically whatever he wants, it seems. so. <laughs> Until he can't figure out how to get the generator started. Right, so he can't turn the generator back on. Um, so uh, what else? Two, two more things. There was one flashlight scene. Which just, you know, man, I mean, it was fine, but it seemed like something like we did back in the late 80s, which is we don't have any lighting. Uh, we can't afford any lighting and we want to try to do something that's scary. It's like, oh, I know. Let's turn on a flashlight and follow the flashlight with the camera and then shock somebody with what the flashlight points to. And I guess it was... Uh, who was walking through the house with the flashlight? It was Grace, right? At, at one point. And you just keep waiting for like her dad to appear or mm -hmm. something. And I think he eventually did. But I, I thought that was a really weak scene. It, it felt like something that the most amateur filmmaker would throw into the middle of a film just to try to give it a little bit of atmosphere or one additional scare. Do you all remember the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, and I actually, I didn't write down that the whole scene was weird, but I did note that the flashlight uh, was very selective in how far it went. Yeah. Like it was very, it, it went just as far as it needed to at, at every point. Yeah. Yeah. There's well, okay. So let's talk about the final scene. So uh, unfortunately Richard comes back to save the day, which lasts about two and a half minutes. Um, he gets shot by uh, Grace and uh, of course, he dies. The kids go off to get in the car to try to, to leave, and apparently uh, they get stuck in the snow with the car, so back into the house they go. And the final scene is that Grace, the two children, and Richard, his corpse, is sitting at the dinner table. It looks like they have a bowl of soup in front of them, and Grace comes and puts duct tape over their mouth that says sin, uh, which, uh, of course, was part of her cult, uh, the way that they committed suicide uh, the very final scene of the movie the last shot is a close-up of the gun that she had used to kill Richard which he had shown her how to access the gun she already knew how to use it mm -hmm. uh, one thing uh, but it's a close-up of the gun and then the credits so I have some pretty strong opinions on this final scene but we'd love to hear you guys first scott what do you think about the final offering there well the gun um i mean what it struck me as a little implausible i mean his wife had committed suicide with a handgun and he's going to leave this uh woman in charge of his kids and he shows her a handgun i mean 
I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I would have an aversion to guns, I think, if I were in his shoes. And what's going to, I mean, why is she needed? What does he think is going to happen? They're going to have home invaders and she's going to need to do that. So I just couldn't quite figure that out. Yeah, the shot at the end, I wrote it down that that's the last thing you see is the gun sitting there. I didn't know what to make of it other than it implies that she kills them. Yeah. Danny, what about you? Well, I, I just want to say that there was a point when the gun was out of its box because uh, she had already gotten it out and had been wielding it. And she is asleep and the kids are you know, hiding and rearranging stuff. We know that. Why wouldn't they just take the bullets out of the gun? Hmm. What, yeah. the, the gun should, by that point in the film, have not been even a threat anymore. But it obviously had to be for the plot to work out. So that was another thing that bothered me. Hmm. Uh, that being said... I thought the the actual final image uh, was you know, pretty nice. I I, I approve. That, that that was another strong. I think the endings that very ending shot is pretty strong. Uh, every I don't think it earned its way there necessarily, but but that's a pretty cool horror ending. It's it's got just the right amount of nihilism and uh, I don't know what to do with the gun. But she's singing nearer my God to thee, right? I mean, yeah. And as she sings, actually, I thought she had a pretty good voice. She starts getting better and better as she sings. Yeah. Yeah. And this is Elvis Presley's granddaughter. I don't know if you guys call that. But (laughs) I thought as she was singing Near My God to the... I mean, that's a lovely hymn. And she had a lovely voice. She apparently knew it by heart. And she was singing it. You know, we're going to be nearer to God. Isn't that great? We're going to be really close to God because we're going to die right now. And the kids are there. And and they kind of start to sing it too. I mean, I don't think they are... Uh, it was weird and, and striking that I, cause it was dark. You knew what they were going to do. That's supposed to be a beautiful, uplifting, inspiring hymn. So it seemed discordant to me to have that hymn, which I thought was effective for a horror. Yeah. Movie. Very effective. I, I, I really did like that. I, I wish we'd gotten there in a better way. Well, for me with the ending, I wish it had ended there. I, I thought the singing of the hymn was good. It went on a long time. Uh, it was, uncomfortable uh, effect of putting the tape on their mouth I thought worked but you can't you can't in the movie go into the gun it's so lame I just can't believe they did it and it sounds like I'm much more upset with this than you guys are but I, I I just can't believe that was the final shot of the movie that's something that I would have done when I was 11 as to, 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 to show that here's what's going to happen you know, the gun is going to somehow play a role into the ending of these two children. Uh, what The way the film needs to end is potentially they break the fourth wall. Uh, they have tape on their mouth, and all three of them look at the camera, and then it goes to black. Or, or it just ends with the hymn. I, I have a major problem going with the gun for those two seconds before the credits roll. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm... I don't, I'm not as bothered by it, but I do think it, it was the least effective thing they could have done after having that beautiful scene. If you just ended on a shot of that table with all of them with their tape on their face, we already know what's going to happen. Mm. We don't, we don't need it to be hit. They they hit us over the head with a gun. But what are the, what are we supposed to think? I mean, Scott, you mentioned it a moment ago, like, are we supposed to be like, oh, shoot, I forgot the gun was there. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, like, 
I don't know what they're trying to. I, I thought to maybe do, they're going to watch a movie after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I, I well, whatever. Yeah. These are the little things that you know. Movies will surprise you in good ways. Then sometimes they really surprise you in just in shocking ways. Uh, and these filmmakers are much smarter than I am and, and much more artistic than, than I am. So maybe I'm just really missing something, but I don't think so. Mm. I think this was a, a, a poor way to go from something so powerful to that final shot. It's just, I mean, I'd even prefer uh, going from, the movie is called The Lodge. I would even prefer seeing the duct tape with sin and the final shot being a pullback of The Lodge with the snow. On the from the exterior, and then go to credits. That would have been more effective. Anything, but the gun. I mean, anything. Show the dollhouse again, right? I could just go down the list, uh, but not not the gun. So well, I think what I wonder. I like your idea. How about the uh, dollhouse with all the dolls around the kitchen table? Mm-hmm. That would that would have been awesome. But again, yeah. yeah. Well, any uh, final thoughts on the lodge? Anything else you guys want to uh, contribute that you took notes we haven't touched on yet? I hit I all my notes, but I will say that it has seemed like I've really disliked this film <laughs> in the discussion, but but it really was an enjoyable experience. I would recommend a horror fan watch the movie. I think there's plenty of value in it. Uh, just it didn't reach the heights that we wanted it to. Yeah, you know, if we're doing, if let's say five stars, we don't do this very often, but if we're if we're talking five stars, I'd probably give it three. I think I may have liked it a little bit better, Scott. If you had to do a five star thing, where would you land on that? Yeah, three, three and a half, maybe yeah, three. I think three. I think we're all pretty much in agreement. Okay, yeah. okay, so we're all yeah. about there. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I it was yeah. an enjoyable experience. Yeah, it, my, my beef is like I said, it was predictable, and I it reminded me a lot of a superior film called the others. Do you guys remember that one with Nicole Kidman? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that where there it's the same kind of thing. She's with her kids and they're in a mansion and it's not snow, but it's fog and they're on an Island and they're kind of locked into this big mansion and they think there's something weird going on. They find out at the end that they're the ghosts. They think there's ghosts going around, but actually they are the ghosts. And I kept thinking, ah, they're just kind of ripping that off. It it seemed like this movie was just kind of doing that, except for when I watched the others, I was totally shocked by the ending. And here, it it didn't have, I enjoyed the movie. I liked it. I'd recommend it. But it it didn't have a good payoff for me. Yeah, I thought of the others too. And I was uh, actually, uh, I was talking to my brother about it. I was trying to figure out how to verb it. Like they, the kids tried to others her, or I, I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out how to actually turn that into a, to a verb. But uh, yeah, that was, you know, what they were attempting to make it look like. Uh, and the others is definitely a better film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so is good night mommy. And so is hereditary. All the films we've referenced. I enjoyed more than this one. Right. What about you guys? Oh yeah. yeah. Same here. Okay, well, that uh, wraps up, I think, this edition of Body Count, The Lodge 2019. We all recommend it, but recommend it uh, with some hesitation. Uh, But we think you'll enjoy the film if you watch it. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week as we come back for more fun (laughs) with Body Count and with horror movies. Until then, thanks for listening. Be sure to stay scared and stay safe at the same time. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.